Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, June 9th, 2022. I am Graham Giason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Quite the eventful week it's been for WWE and AEW in the last seven days since we were last here on WrestleRant Radio. Not only between NXT in your house last Saturday and WWE Hell in the Cell on Sunday, but the whole interim title situation with AEW. We got Roman Reigns not showing up at Money in the Bank reportedly. Um, everything happening on Raw with the Judgment Day and what happened on Dynamite on Wednesday and everything else in between. So we have a lot to talk about here today with Mr. Marceau on the back end of things. Before then, though, I want to air my interview I conducted last week on my birthday, June 2nd. Uh, we recorded it after I already put up the show on Thursday with Raw superstar Ezekiel. And it's still relevant because although we recorded it before Hell in a Cell, talking about his recent rivalry with Kevin Owens, his Raw run, Elias, because he, remember, he is Elias' younger brother, Ezekiel. Um, they have a rematch coming up this week on Raw as well. So it will be up, I'm hoping, at some point in article form over on DailyDDT.com. I just haven't had the time to transcribe it yet and write it up and everything. Uh, my interview actually with the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Matt Cardona went up today on Bleach Report. That should be up also today in video form over on WrestleRant on YouTube, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Um, I will share the audio of that interview next week here on the show. I'm planning. Uh, I was going to do it today before the Always Ready pay-per-view on Saturday, but the interview is like 30 minutes. We talked for a while. It was a great chat. Um, and, and the interview with RJ, not the interview, the conversation with RJ lasted about like an hour. So I didn't want today's show to be like an hour and 30 minutes. The Ezekiel interview was like 10 or 12 minutes. So it ended up working out perfectly. But yeah, check out my conversation with Ezekiel right here, right now on WrestleRant Radio. What's going on, guys? Graham Jesus and Matthews here with Fanside. It's DailyDDT.com and ahead of WWE Hell in a Cell this Sunday, June 5th, live on Peacock, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We're talking to one man that's going to be competing on Sunday against Kevin Owens, Elias' younger brother, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, what's going on, dude? Yes, sir. Thank you for that introduction, man. Um, it's always cool to be kind of labeled in there, Elias' younger brother, Ezekiel. I'm very proud of being his younger brother. Thank you. This is going to be your premium live event debut. I mean, obviously, Elias has competed on many pay-per-views before you in the past. But for you, Ezekiel, this is your premium live event debut. How are you feeling going into it? Uh, dude, I'm excited. I am. Uh, I'm zeked up, as I like to say. You know, I feel like I'm zeking out about everything. Uh, you know, big time match for me coming up. Um, first time ever. You know, I'm only a few weeks, maybe what two months at this point into my WWE career. So it's an incredible opportunity. I'm excited. Well, you mentioned it right there. You're just two months into your Raw run so far, arriving in the post-WrestleMania Raw just almost two months ago, as you just mentioned. How has the experience been for you so far? Has it exceeded expectations, met expectations? What's it been like for you? 
Uh, unbelievable. Exceeded expectations. I can't believe it. I'm in the WWE, dude. It's a dream come true. Been wanting to do this my whole life. Um, you know, growing up, my, my brother and I, we wanted to be WWE superstars. Uh, he got there before I did. But now I'm here, man. And it's exciting. And I say this, you know, Elias walked so that Zeke could speak, man. I'm forever grateful uh, for my older bro. But man, this is cool. Lifelong WWE fans, as you mentioned, he got here quite a while ago. We're just seeing you now. Can you shed some light on where you were before you arrived in WWE? You said you grew up a fan. It took you a little bit longer to get here. Was it wrestling in bingo halls? Was it kind of training? Can you shed some light on where you were before we saw you raw recently? Yeah, no, like that was the thing. I was a huge fan. Uh, Always wanted to be, you know, Elias, he took that path. You know, he, he went right out of high school. He started training to be a wrestler uh, you know, he worked his way up. He had a try the whole thing and he made it to WWE. I, you know, by the grace of God, man, I ran into some connections along the way. I was always training. I'm always in the gym, always working hard. Um, but I came across, a, a, I don't want to say his name. I don't want to put it out there, but a, but a high level person in WWE. Uh, I introduced myself. I said, Hey, I'm Ezekiel. I'm Elias's younger brother told me to come by Monday night raw. One of these days, I uh, thought the perfect opportunity was right after WrestleMania and, and the rest is kind of history, man. I was going to say, so the timing kind of worked out just well. It was right after WrestleMania. We haven't seen Elias in a long time since last summer. You talked, you, you, I know you mentioned before, we see these great .com videos on www.com and the YouTube channel. We haven't yeah. seen them on Raw all too much, but kind of explaining your history, your backstory. And we saw the screenshots of you texting Elias and he congratulated you on your debut right after WrestleMania. I feel like more attention should be paid to this sort of stuff because it would definitely prove you guys are two separate people. Listen, and, and, you know, I tell the people uh, there uh, at Monday Night Raw, I said, hey, you know, I know I get questioned a lot. I had to go take a lie detector test in front of the entire. I've got text message. You know, it's like just, again, watch some of these dot com videos. They'll tell you things they need to know. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell my story. Um one way or another, whether that's on raw, on .com, on both, and uh, and let people see, you know, yeah, of course, I get it. We look the same, but uh, brothers do. I don't. What's the big surprise there? You know what I mean? You look like your family members. It's that's how genetics, how DNA works. Um, there's obviously a lot of differences with us too, but um, I'm with you, man. I would I would love to pay more attention to those kind of things, especially when somebody like Kevin Owens is accusing me of literally being my older brother. It's crazy. I mean, you say you look the same. I don't really see the resemblance at all personally. So, I mean, I'm, I mean, you say you guys are brothers and I take you at your word for that. I mean, I just don't really see it, but that's just me. But I mean, you mentioned yeah. w- w- with Kevin Owens and he's been obsessed with you and obsessing over the fact that you are, that you are indeed the same person and that you are right. completely the same person, whatever. And he actually offered this very interesting theory on raw talk this week. You mentioned the lie detector test. I do want to bring this up because he didn't mention this on raw, but he was obsessed. He was bothering Kevin Patrick over it and whatever else he was saying that you were born Ezekiel. And then you kind of pay tribute to your brother, Elias. When he came to WWE, he died a long time ago. That was the whole premise there. Have you heard these theories from Kevin Owens that he's been spouting out since Monday? And what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, no, I, again, listen, man, I think, I think something snapped in Kevin a little while back. I think it happened around the time he was messing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, You gotta be a little crazy to even get in there with the Texas rattlesnake as is Uh, his most recent theory 
that I have been Ezekiel all along. That's how I passed the test. Uh, of course, yes, that much is true. Uh, I have been Ezekiel all along. But for him to say uh, I somehow had some sort of previous career as Elias, uh, which was ultimately a tribute to the real Elias who must have passed away years prior, and then only now I decided to be Ezekiel is um, there are some far out conspiracy theories in the world. That is certainly one of them. <laughs> he's got to take his tinfoil hat off. I mean, he's been, he's been trying to prove this for a while. And I guess, I mean, I guess what is this match supposed to prove for you? It's another big win over a former world champion. He's a very credible competitor. I guess he's trying to prove, even if he were to pick up the win on Monday, on Sunday, which let's, let's face it, isn't all that likely. What is that going to prove exactly that you are Elias? I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that, you know? Uh, again, I, I wish I could get into Kevin's head one of these and, and try and figure it out. Uh, listen, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to do everything I can to win this match. I'm, I'm completely confident I can make that happen. Uh, I've been studying Kevin Owens for years. I told you I'm a huge wrestling fan. Um, but let's just say either way, we, you know, if I win, does that does does Kevin all of a sudden go, oh, he must be who he says he is? And if he wins, does he say, there, that proves it. I'm not totally sure what's going on there. Uh, I do know he's been a real thorn in my side for weeks now, and he's been trying to humiliate me every step of the way as I'm trying to enjoy my rookie season, you know, so uh, either way, we're, we're going to, we're going to go at it. We'll see what the outcome brings. Exactly. We'll see what the future brings beyond hell in the cell, but we have that event to look forward to first on Sunday. And with this matchup, it's interesting because Elias had a hit a lot of history with Kevin Owens back in the day. I mean, they had that great segment in Seattle with the booze raining in all those years ago. Did you have any other, you mentioned, you know, you praised Kevin Owens for his accomplishments and his talent and whatnot. Did you have any other prior experience with Kevin Owens uh, as Ezekiel in the last couple of years? I mean, I know your brother Elias did, but did you have any other prior interaction with him before just coming to raw recently? Never, never once, uh, never met him. You know, I, you know, we kind of, you know, Elias became a WWE superstar long before I did. Um, you know, but I never felt right just kind of showing up while he was there and being like, hey, let me in, let me in, you know, let me be a part of this. I just, it didn't feel right to me. So I kept my distance. Uh, I was working hard on my own, but, you know, I, I never crossed paths with Kevin Owens before this. Then. But I have seen all the interactions with Elias and Ezekiel, uh, or Elias and uh, Kevin in the past, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like you said, and you mentioned this before, but we haven't seen Elias since last summer and he congratulated you on your raw debut via text. Again, all the evidence is there. If people want to go back and watch it, any other further interaction with uh, Elias in the last couple of months, or has he been kind of MIA since you arrived oh, on raw? That's the interesting thing to me, man. He has been since I've shown up on raw, you know, and I've believe me, I've, I've tried to reach out. You probably saw some of the texts have been unanswered. Um, but yeah, you know, I reach out here and there, haven't heard anything. Uh, recently talked to my mom, trying to see if she knew his, you know, where he's at, whatever I thought. But really, he's been kind of MIA. I'm imagining he's just kind of out there doing his own thing, maybe, you know, playing some local bar shows and things like that. You know, doing a little soul searching. Who knows what it is, but he's out there somewhere. You know, I like to believe he's, he's proud of me and what I'm doing. Uh, but we have not spoken for, you know, basically since I, sh I showed up. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think the reason behind that is? Maybe it is soul searching. I know we kind of left on an, uh, 
on, on an odd note last summer. We haven't seen him since there was the tombstone. I guess he walked away from any thoughts on what that could have been about. Um, man, I did. I spent a lot of time thinking about that. I didn't know um, what he, he was doing, but I, I can only assume, you know, he, he's got to have his reasons, you know, Elias, if you know him, like I do, man, he, he doesn't just do anything for no reason. Um, and, and so he's always got some sort of method to his madness. If you want to call it that I'm sure he has his reasons. I want to find them out just as much as anybody else does. And a little bit, that's a little bit of what my journey is about. And you mentioned before your family, and maybe you've mentioned this elsewhere in the dot-com videos that you mentioned earlier, the family tree there. Obviously, you have your older brother, Elias, uh, your mother you mentioned. Anyone else in that family tree there that we, that we could be aware of that could pop on raw? Do you have a sister? Do you have any other uh, siblings, cousins, stuff like that? I've got a huge family, man, huge family. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, you know, my dad, my mom, I got two sisters, tons of cousins, uh, uncles, aunts. Um, you know, hey, who knows? This is a... For me, I'm all about family, man, you know, so uh, I love my older brother. I love my family. If we get them in the mix here to help tell this story and and uh, ultimately, you know, the dream, as I, I put it out there, is for me and my older brother to hold the tag team championships, that would be incredible. Um, so whatever I got to do to make that happen, I'm willing to do it, man. With your large family tree, have you had any feedback from them so far in your raw run over the last two months? Oh, incredible support incredible support i feel like they're my biggest fans you know um i was actually out in the crowd a week or two ago and the guy told me that he called himself a zeke freak and uh and so i feel like you know my my fans or whatever you want to call them the audience that you know, the zeke freaks out there have really um helped me along in this journey you know i am missing my brother but man when i get out there in front of them they certainly help uh, ease that grief and hopefully when Elias comes back, like you said, you guys can hold the tag team titles. But until then, do you have any other allies in the Raw locker room? I know you teamed with the Prophets on Monday night, picked up a victory. What's that been like? Sure. You know, it, de it depends really who you come across. Uh, some people are super friendly. The Street Prophets have been incredible for me. Those are great guys. Um, and, yeah, listen, I've got, I've got big dreams. Um, the tag team championship with my brother is the biggest of dreams. But the Universal Championship, the, the U.S. Championship, dude, these things would be just amazing to get a hold of. There's the Money in the Bank uh, ladder match coming up, man. The opportunities that that would, you know, the doors that would open to have that briefcase. Um, yeah, but as far as the family goes, huge support there. No, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to be supporting you going to this match on Sunday. Elias will be somewhere watching as well, supporting you, which is great. And there's uh, also been this, you know, fan theory, not only that, you know, obviously you guys are two separate people, but around the time that you arrived on Raw, fans were starting to speculate. What about the former LA Knight? Now Max Dupree on SmackDown. There's some similarities there. You look a little bit familiar. Have you heard these theories as well from fans? Um, I haven't heard too much. Now, I, I have seen um, Max Dupree, uh, formerly LA Knight. Um, I do see some of the similarities. I certainly see that, but I can tell you unless, unless there's some distant uh, relatives I'm unaware of, which is very possible. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe we are related though. I don't believe. Yeah. I mean, I guess anything can happen in the WWE as of right now, I don't think that's been confirmed, but you and Elias are indeed brothers. And as we wind down here, my man it is going to this match on Sunday. You talked about it before your ultimate goal is becoming tag team champions with your older brother, Elias, uh, of course, winning the match on Sunday, maybe even winning money in the bank, but having that support from Elias and winning this 
I don't want to say in his memory because he's not gone. He's just far away somewhere else. Is that kind of motivating you going into Sunday, having that support and the fans uh, in the support of the WWE universe as well? Dude, I mean, you pretty much said it all right there. To make my older brother proud is almost worth it's worth it all. You know what I mean? Um, and to know that, and, and uh, I could tell you how proud I was watching him for years, do his thing and just make the audiences go crazy and whatever else he would do. I was so proud of him. So to even think that my brother might be feeling that is uh, that keeps me going, man. And then to have the support of the WWE universe and the Zeke freaks out there, whatever you want to call them, man, it's uh, it's overwhelming at times. It's awesome. Fantastic. We're all looking forward to the match on Sunday, my man. It's going to be you and Kevin Owens, WWE Hell in the Cell, live on Peacock, June 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, making your premium live event debut as a Raw superstar. Very excited. It's my birthday today, Ezekiel. I, I could not have figured out a better way to spend a birthday than speaking to Elias' younger brother, Ezekiel. So I appreciate the time, my man. Awesome. Hey, happy birthday. You are fantastic at what you do. You're very good at this. Uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and uh, I hope I have your support heading into the Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> you certainly do, Ezekiel. I appreciate the time I'm in. Sam, go for you. Uh, best of luck this weekend, and best of luck at Hell in a Cell. Thank you. Thanks to Elias's younger brother, Ezekiel, for the time. Had a blast chatting with him. And again, he will be facing Kevin Owens this Monday on Raw in a rematch from Hell in the Cell. So check that out this Monday on Raw on USA Network. Uh, now we transition to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, talking all things in the last week from WWE. Hell in the Cell, In Your House, uh, John Cena coming back to Raw, The Judgment Day turning on Edge on Monday, which I was not a fan of, as you'll hear, of, you'll hear me rant about in, in, in a little while. Um, AEW crowning in, in the process of crowning an interim AEW world champion and so much more. Mr. Marceau, brother, so much to get to this past week from the world of wrestling. Yeah, everything. I feel like everything's starting to heat up a little bit. A lot of injuries going on, so there's a lot of a lot of different angles that are going on right now in the world of wrestling. Yeah, very unpredictable right now, both for WWE and AEW. Several people out between CM Punk, Brian Danielson getting hurt, I know, uh, among others. Cody Rhodes, obviously, as we saw at Hell in the Cell. He was injured before that, but we saw the injury at Hell in the Cell. So let's get right into it, Mr. Marceau. There's a lot I want to talk about. I do want to get your quick thoughts, not an in-depth analysis, but kind of your quick thoughts on last Saturday's uh, In Your House event from NXT that saw Braun Breaker retain the NXT Championship against Joe Gacy. We had new NXT Tag Team Champions crowd and the Creed Brothers. Very good match. Cool moment. We had a new North American Champion crowned as well in Carmelo Hayes. So kind of an eventful show overall. Uh, not great, I wouldn't say. It was a solid show, I thought. But, you know, two new champions crowned. Less than three hours. The show was what it was. NXT, not exactly in the world on fire right now, but I thought it was a decent show. Yeah, I thought it was a fine show. I mean, I think we, besides the tag belts and, and uh, Hayes uh, winning the uh, North American belt, I'm pretty sure we had everything else kind of spot on there. I mean, I was more surprised. I mean, I know Grimes champion, but I feel like Hayes, I don't know. I just feel like they really see him as that guy, but I don't know. I feel like he was going to lose the belt to Solo, so... It's kind of weird that he won the belt back there, and the pretty deadly drop in the belts was kind of surprising as well. I felt like they just had won the belts, and they just took the belts right off them. So, although it was a fine show, Breaker should have won, Mandy won, a Toxic Attraction won. So, I think everyone else won. I love Tony D won too. So, uh, the 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 Don has more people with him now on uh, NXT. So, no complaints on that aspect. 
We saw some of the fallout on Tuesday's NXT, including the next challenger, I would assume, for the NXT Championship, very likely at the Great American Bash Show in a couple of weeks. That being Apollo Crews, former Intercontinental Champion, United States Champion, NXT Superstar, has never been NXT Champion before. He's looking to correct that by coming back to the now former black and gold brand, obviously. I'm all for this. I know we've been praising it since Tuesday, but I'm very happy to see Cruz back in his old stomping grounds, back to the old gimmick. Uh, same music, but no Nigerian accent. He ditched that, which was phony to begin with. It never sounded good. Um, no Commander Aziz, at least as of right now, but uh, very happy to see Apollo Cruz back in NXT for the time being. Yeah, I like, the, I like Apollo Cruz. I mean, the whole Nigerian thing. I like the theme. I mean, if anyone knows, I, I love the theme a lot. Um, but the whole like fake accent and all that stuff with the commanders, these was just awful. So going back to XT, I mean, I think anyone would have said at the time when you got called up originally, it just seemed a little early. It felt like you really didn't do it too, too much in XT. So I feel like you could have used more seasoning. And then the main roster is kind of initial debut and like everything that happened with them right off the rip was kind of uh, random. It seemed like they didn't really know what to do with me there. And then he got the whole Aziz thing and Nigerian. And then he won the, uh, United States championship seemed like he had some direction, and once he dropped the belt, he was off to catering. So, yeah, uh, all back down to NXT definitely is definitely necessary, and I think it's good for him. Yeah, he has said as well that um, you know, he left NXT too soon that he was called up to Raw a little abruptly. He wasn't there for that long. He was there for probably six to seven months before he was called up in uh, April of 2016. And uh, now he's back in NXT for the time being, like I said, challenging Braun Breaker for the championship, very likely the main event for the Great American Bash in a couple of weeks. Uh, if anything else, if nothing else, it should be another good, credible, notable name for Braun Breaker to beat in this reign for him as NXT champion. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I wouldn't take the belt off Braun yet unless you're going to call him up, which I don't think is going to happen right now. So I, I would have Braun beat him, but a, a nice, credible opponent, something different for NXT. I agree. I'm looking forward to that. So that was on Saturday. On Sunday, we had the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. We'll get into that. We had a very eventful Dynamite and, and week in AEW. We'll close with that and the interim AEW world title stuff, as I alluded to earlier. But I do want to talk about Hell in the Cell, which actually ended up being a very good show. Uh, these B-level pay-per-views don't usually have a lot of build lately from WWE. The build to WrestleMania Backlash was nearly non-existent. The build to this show was arguably even worse. Uh, almost every single match on this seven-match show was a Raw match. The sole SmackDown match was Happy Corbin versus Madcap Moss. Um, but it ended up being a very good show and an, an enjoyable three hours. All the right people won. We got some great matches between the opener, a very good six-person tag team match, and an awesome main event, I thought. Uh, you know, As we get into the match-by-match breakdown here, I thought Hell in a Cell on the whole ended up being, honestly, probably one of the better pay-per-views all year so far from WWE. Yeah, the build definitely wasn't great, but I thought the show delivered, like you said. Um, I think from the first match, I mean, when they had the women go out first, I mean, it would be pretty hard for them to have a, a t I mean, I thought it was great right off the bat. I thought Bobby and Omos was great, and I thought the rest of the show kind of uh, summed up the rest of the, uh, of the card. But even though it was mostly a Raw show, I thought it was, it was definitely one of their better pay-per-views they've had so far. Yeah, and they had a hot crowd in Chicago to boot, so making for a very, uh, what I thought was a strong show overall by at least recent WWE standards. I still don't know, I, I still can't really wrap my head around the fact that Raw's been better lately in 2022 than it has been in recent years. But still, I feel like they've knocked it out of the park with most of their pay-per-view so far this year. Uh, the ending to the Rumble was disappointing, but the Rumble overall, I remember being a good show. Uh, Elimination Chamber was a good show. 
WrestleMania itself I thought was great overall. Backlash, we were there. That was a very good show. And this was enjoyable as well. It feels like they've had a strong streak going with their pay-per-views for quite a while now, which is good to say. Yeah, I feel like they've delivered, even if the uh, builds have been pretty subpar. But even though this was, like you said, mostly a raw show, I still thought it delivered. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the weekly product needs some tweaking, specifically SmackDown, but the pay-per-views have been largely enjoyable, which is good. Uh, We started off the show in a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending and beating Becky Lynch and Asuka. This was great stuff. Um, They could have very easily put the belt on Becky or Asuka. I'm glad they didn't, obviously. Belair is still only two months into her reign as Raw Women's Champion. Uh, The match itself was great. The crowd was into this. We were praising Bianca before we went live here. Uh, The crowd was super hot for Bianca. I mean, she's an absolute star in every sense of the word. She's just terrific. Yeah, I thought this was the perfect match to start the show, honestly, with Cody and when Seth main eventing. I mean, this was the perfect match to start off. And I thought all three women did great. I mean, like you said, Bianca was over. The crowd was hot all night, but I think you felt that a lot more in this match. I mean, Becky, like you said, Becky or Oscar could have easily won here. And then they had Becky hit. Hit Oscar with the manhandle, and then Bianca threw her out and got the pin. So it was like we Becky didn't lose, and she basically set Bianca up for the pin. So I feel like that's going to be revisited, obviously, somewhere down the line with Bianca now facing Rhea and Oscar and Becky going on their separate ways. But I feel like that's going to kind of tie us back up to, to Bianca and, and Becky again. Yeah, we've said it before, but it's very possible they revisit that in time for SummerSlam. I mean, though, that was really where the feud started a year ago. Um, you mentioned how she wasn't pinned here, which I assume was done by design. I mean, the weird thing is that they didn't have Becky pinned here by Bianca, but they had her pinned the next night by Dana Brooke. Um, I didn't like that at all. I know you had your reason for it. I mean, I understand, but I just thought it was fucking dumb. Um, you know, but still, I, I, I'm sure they'll go back to it at some point. When that will be, I don't know, but all three women have great chemistry, so I thought this was great stuff. We'll get into thoughts on Raw as far as who's next for Bianca. In our, in our review of Raw, our mini-review of Raw, a little bit later on after talking about Hell in the Cell. But on the subject of stars that were really over in front of this crowd, you can't leave out Bobby Lashley. I mean, he's been fairly popular as a babyface since he officially turned a few months ago and MVP betrayed him. But um, he probably got the biggest reaction so far on this show. This crowd, for a few that really has not meant a lot, and it's been fine, it has not been bad, but the matches aren't exactly instant classics. This was no different. This served its purpose, um, but this crowd was really, really behind Bobby Lashley, which was cool to say. So he won decisively by tapping out MVP as exactly as we thought it would happen uh, in this matchup. And Bobby Lashley hopefully moves on to bigger and better things. He did step up to Theory, or Theory rather stepped up to him on Monday's Raw. So that might, might that might be his next program. But I'm glad this is over. But yeah, the t- the top takeaway from this for me was the fact that Bobby was as beloved as he was in front of this crowd. Yeah, especially with the terrible build, I, I, I'm surprised the crowd cared that much about this match. I mean, Omos and, and Bobby, I think they've had good matches. I just don't think people really care about Omos. But uh, I thought this was a good match. Like you said, Bobby tapping out MVP to the uh, hurt lock was great. And then the next night, obviously, going on with Theory. But like you said, he was extremely over. I mean, I think a lot of people like Bobby now as a babyface, but I mean... He had a really good pop. Like, it was like Cody-esque. So, I, I feel like now that Cody's out, they should definitely kind of push their chips in on Bobby Lashley. I mean, he's not getting any younger either. He teased going back for the championship afterward, which I don't know if it was an audible or if it was done by design. I mean, they, know, they made no mention on Monday's Raw of him challenging Roman Reigns for the championship, and we'll get to Roman in a little bit. But uh, Roman and Bobby, I mean, we haven't seen it one-on-one in four years. Sign me the hell up. I feel like people aren't exactly 
discussing Bobby as a legit challenger for Roman, but he is, and he should be considered one. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Bobby's one of, if not the top babyface right now, and with Cody out, I feel like Bobby should be pushing that in that spot. And hopefully we see that match at some point. Again, I don't know if it's going to happen this summer, but we'll get to Roman Reigns in a little while. Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. A good match here. This was fine. Uh, not a barn burner by any means, but it wasn't. It was never going to be. Uh, the the storyline's been enjoyable. One of my better, you know, my more favorite parts of Raw in recent months. Both guys have played their wells really, really well. Owens wins as he should have, but we are getting a rematch next week on Raw. So your thoughts on the match and the idea of it continuing? Because I'm not really sure where they go with it from here, which was our question last week. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean. You know, like you said, it wasn't a blow-away match. So it was a fine match, nothing crazy. Um, but then they kind of, they're going to go after it again. I, I mean, I just don't like, what does Owens have to gain? I, I really don't know. I mean, he beat him. That's what, like, even when, if in your interview with Ezekiel, um, he was like, what does Kevin win? Like, if, like, what does he, like, get, like, if he beats me, am I just Elias? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that, like, they never tied up, I guess, that loose end. And it's just like, why does he want to face him again? He already yeah. beat him. I don't know. It's just a weird storyline that I feel like once you beat him, it should have just moved on from there. Like, they did all, like, the comedy, like, lie detector stuff and all that, and then he went on and beat him. So it's like, why would you want to face him again? I don't know. I just, I don't know. It seems like they're kind of spinning their wheels, but I, I felt like after beat him on, on, on Sunday that we'd probably move on to something else with both guys, but they're really not. Yeah, we're getting one more match. I don't know if that's going to be... You know, uh, it's going to be a case where we build to a rubber match and Ezekiel picks up an upset win next week. I don't know if I would do that, per se. I would have Owens win twice. Um, Ezekiel, I've enjoyed a lot. I mean, it's been I've enjoyed this stuff, specifically because of Kevin Owens, but the Ezekiel stuff's been good, too. Um, I just don't really know where you go with both guys from here. But again, we'll see. I guess we'll talk about that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to next week here on the show, when we review Raw and talk about the rematch between the two. Uh, we had the Judgment Day, at least this incarnation of the group, and we'll get to the fallout from this on Raw a little bit later on. But Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley knocking off Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan. Very good match here. I thought this was really good stuff. All six people working very well together. Great chemistry here. And in the end, it was the heels that picked up the win. I had them to win last week. I think you picked the baby faces, but even I was surprised that Judgment Day won this match here, making what happened on Raw even more confusing, which we'll get to momentarily. But as a match in a vacuum, though, I thought this was great stuff as well. Yeah, this was a fun match. I think everyone played their role well. Um, AJ looked great. I mean, he got, got decent juice. I don't know. He got cut somewhere. He was gushing from the face at one point. Um, but I thought, I mean, I thought the baby face might have gone because I thought they'd continue it. They still are continuing it, just a different variation. But uh, Judgment Day winning here was kind of like unnecessary, I guess. If, it wasn't really necessary because what happened made no sense, anyways. But it was still a fun match. That and the fact that I thought you mentioned how, you know, AJ got busted open. He was great here. Uh, Liv Morgan, I thought, was extra impressive as well. And she's obviously got her fair share of fans, as she, you know, rightfully should. But I think she's been excellent. We gotta, you know, give her her props as well. She's been really impressive this for the majority of 2022, from her matches with Becky Lynch over the championship, teaming with Rhea, to now where we are now. Uh, she's really come a long way from where she was even a year or two ago. I think not that I wanted to see Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Riot, fired, but and and them and the, the, the tag team was enjoyable and they worked well together and all this other stuff. But I can't remember many, if any, memorable Liv Morgan matches from before that point. Even when she was on her own a few years ago, I feel like in the last year or two alone, she's really come a long way in the ring. And I would love at some point to see her as a singles champion in this company. 
Yeah, I think I, I think everyone, anyone that likes Liv would see that and think that she's definitely come a far away. And I mean, a, a title in her near future definitely uh, should be coming. I think, like you said, with her match with Becky, her and Rhea was fun. Now her, her in this new, new incarnation, I feel like she definitely popped off in twenty twenty two. Yeah, she's got to be considered a potential candidate to win the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, which we'll get to after we're done talking about Hell in the Cell. Um, but another person on that list for the men would be Theory, the reigning United States champion who beat Mustafa Ali on this show. Good match. Uh, crowd was a little quiet, but you know Ali was a Chicago guy, so they were behind him at several points. They worked well together. Theory wins clean, as he should have. The match was what it needed to be. Glad to see the United States Championship defended on pay-per-view. We haven't seen the Intercontinental Championship defended on pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37, which is fucking ridiculous. Uh, at least they're a little bit better with the U.S. Championship theories. Had a good reign so far. Um, but yeah, he beat Ali here. Again, good match. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought this was a fun match. I mean, Theory's definitely the, a breakout guy that they're looking at. I like Mustafa Ali as well, but I, just, I mean, I, just, I wouldn't take the belt off Theory yet. So it was a fun match. The crowd was into it just because I think Ali's from Chicago, so that definitely helped as well. Um, but that was like a perfect match but right before the main event. Yeah, it was perfectly placed. It was kind of like the buffer match, and I thought they they made the most of the opportunity they had and the time they had and all that other stuff. So uh, good stuff here. We get to the main event, what I thought was the match of the night, although you can make an argument for the opener as well. Hell in the Cell, Cody Rhodes, Seth freaking Rollins, as they call him. Fantastic work here, made even better by the fact that Cody Rhodes was legit hurt. Word came out earlier in the day on Sunday via social media. WWE confirmed it on the kickoff show that Cody Rhodes, in training for this matchup, they said it was during the brawl on Monday's Raw from the week before, which it obviously was not. I don't think, anyway. Um, He was lifting weights, I guess, and he tore his pec completely. It was a complete tear, which is why, I guess, they cleared him. That's exactly why they cleared him, because it couldn't get any worse, which, I mean, I guess that might be true. I still say it was incredibly dumb. I mean, Cody Rhodes is one of the dumbest people in wrestling for having done that. It was... Very courageous. It was an incredible performance. I love the match. So that's why I'm of two minds on the thing. I thought the match was amazing. It told a great story. Cody Rhodes is one of the toughest son of a bitches in wrestling for doing that and going through with it. They booked him to win, which I had no issue with. But it's also like, all right, you risk being on the shelf even longer, and you also risk hurting your other opponent, your your own opponent, because you can't you know really you know hold your own or whatever because your arm is completely fucking busted. So. That could have ended a lot worse than it did if they weren't careful. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not saying it is what it is, but that really should have been... Again, if they didn't clear him, then they wouldn't have had a main event. But at the same time, it probably would have been safer. So I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt here and say, oh, WWE was right to clear him. Like, I thought that was really fucking stupid. I'm not even really sure how that happened. I know they were desperate for a main event, but a man's well-being is a man's well-being. So that was definitely questionable, but... It turned out for the best in that the match was awesome. They told a great story. I really, really like this. And Rollins lost again. It was a third straight clean win for Cody over Seth. And like I said, I thought this was one of the best sell matches I've seen probably in the last 10, 15 years or so. Yeah, I thought this was a great match, even with Cody's injury. I mean, I, I, I really had no problem with him fighting. If that's what he wants to do, go for it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it, like you said, a complete tear at that point. It can't get any worse, so... It is what it is. I, I thought it's told a good story. I felt like they played into it well, and I think that's what made the match more enjoyable, especially with him only being able to use that one arm. But uh, it was a great match, and I think it, it kind of solidified the trilogy there. I mean, I, I mean, Rollins lost every time, so usually you don't see that in like a trilogy, but I thought all three matches were great, and Cody went over every time. So 
uh, no complaints there. Yeah, no, but I got to say this. I will. I, I do agree. If you wanted to do it and they didn't force him to, I, I agree with that. But I don't want to be hypocritical either because I had said six months ago when they did the very stupid table spot on Dynamite, I, Cody obviously wanted to do that as well. If I was Tony Khan, I would step in and say, that's what, what the fuck? I mean, obviously that was, I would argue that was less safe than what we got on, uh, or that was more safe than what we got on the pay-per-view in that. I mean, it's a different story, but... Sometimes the promoter's got to step in and be like, all right, this is, I know you want to do this and I, I applaud you for that, but you know, business is business and we got to protect Rollins here as well. And that we don't want him to get hurt because you can't catch him or whatever. But anyway, um, I thought it was a great match. Cody Rhodes wins three in a row. As you mentioned, we do not see that often. You can't name many trilogies in WWE history where that happened. Batista and Triple H comes to mind from 05, uh, which also culminated inside Hell in the Cell. But yeah, Rhodes, he wins here, and now he's gone for a little while. He hinted at winning or challenging or vying for the Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, Money in the Bank briefcase on the next night's Raw, which he obviously will not be a part of. And we're going to get Cody Rhodes back at some point, whether it be in six months in time for the Rumble. Uh, this is a big blow to the Raw roster. Cody's been one of the best parts of the show for quite a while now, since he came back two months ago. So to not have him around is definitely a blow to the show, and... I'm just kind of interested where they go from here. I did not, honestly, I thought the segment was well done, but I was not a fan of the fact they had Rollins attack Cody on Monday's Raw because that tells me that when Cody comes back at whatever point, they're going to do either another match or wrap this up again, unless they're the last two in the Rumble and Cody throws them out, but that would require a lot of long-term booking. Yeah, I mean, I didn't love the, I didn't love him beating up Cody either. I mean, unless, like you said, it, it connects us some way, like maybe Rollins is the champion, Cody wins the Rumble and they go to them towards WrestleMania. I mean, I wouldn't hate that, but I mean, we'll see, I guess. At least that's long-term at this point because we have no idea when he's going to get back, but uh, I liked what he had to say. I mean, he's always a, a good to great talker and, I mean, we'll see him when he comes back, but I mean, him hinting to be in the money in the bank was just silly. Any ideas of what you do with Rollins in the meantime, and would you buy into the possibility, as other people have brought up to me, of Rollins winning his second Money in the Bank ladder match to kind of further tease the Roman stuff and keep him busy until Cody comes back? Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like besides, I mean, I no one really jumps off the page that, like, needs to win Money in the Bank. I mean, the guys, I mean, maybe like Bobby, but I feel like he doesn't even need it at that point. I, I feel like, like you said, Give it to Rollins, keep him busy while he waits for Cody or or Roman, and then go on from there. So, I mean, I think Rollins should be like an early favorite if I, if I was saying. Well, so. on the subject of Roman Reigns, he's not going to be at Money in the Bank. We found that out for a fact this week. I don't think he's on the poster when they moved to the MGM a week or two ago. He was taking off the advertising for that event. I think it was Meltzer who confirmed this past week that, Mel- that Roman Reigns is indeed not booked for the pay-per-view. I know Riddle wants a shot at Roman. We will get that at some point. It might be at SummerSlam, but I, I listen. I mean, I love Roman Reigns. I love the Bloodline stuff. We've said this before, but I further believe that the lack of Roman Reigns on TV, and he's entitled to time off, but why the fuck in retrospect would you unify the top two titles that they definitely knew two months ago Roman would not be around if he was in negotiations for a new contract? I mean, they shouldn't have unified the titles anyway, but I feel like this makes the decision even worse when you're not going to have Roman around until SummerSlam. I mean, to not have any championship defense is not a single one on television between WrestleMania and SummerSlam is really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, the reason they did it, I think it's just because it made it like the biggest match they could possibly make at WrestleMania, but then it sacrificed the next four to five months because if Roman's not going to be there, it's kind of a waste. But 
We'll see. I mean, I was never a fan of Lesnar being away. Roman doesn't get any kind of credence or any kind of leeway. I mean, if you're going to put a championship on it, they should be on the show. Roman has both belts, never on the show. I just, I really don't. I mean, this is the perfect example when you have, like, an interim champion. Like, he's not on the show at all defending it, so have someone else. Like, what happened, like, they had to defend the belt in 30 days? And that used to be a rule, like, the oh, champion yeah. defend the belt in 30 days. I mean, obviously, that threw out the window when, when Brock was champion, but, I mean, not having him defend all year since WrestleMania is just silly. Especially when they have opponents for Roman to face. Not a wealth of opponents, but they have Bobby, they have AJ, they have other people. Cody at some point, of course. Rollins, I feel like, should be revisiting for that spot. You had Drew, of course. Um, your thoughts on Drew outright challenging Roman for the championship at Clash of the Castle last week on SmackDown? I mean, it makes sense. I feel like that's the direction they're going. I mean, it seems a little silly to challenge like four months in advance, but that's the way it's going, and that's the way it's going. But, I mean, I think that was kind of rumored to happen, and I guess we'll see what happens because we really don't know when Roman's going to be back. Does that not spoil that Roman's probably going to hold on to that championship till then? It pretty much does, yeah. And do you think, with that being said, um, is Drew winning? I feel like they wouldn't announce it this far in advance and kind of tease it and whatever if Drew wasn't winning. Which, And if so, do you have him win both belts or just one? I would personally wait until Cody comes back to have Roman suffer his first loss, but something tells me it's going to be Drew on that show. I mean, I, I don't think they can wait. That, that, well, I guess they can, but if he's not going to be on TV, I, I would say have him lose one of the belts sooner rather than later just because... I mean, you need the belt on the show to make some kind of relevance. So, I mean, if Cody's not going to be back anytime soon, it's it's going to be. I, I would already too, but I think at this point with him being out, it's going to be Drew. If they continue playing the long game, do they keep the championship on Roman till WrestleMania season and have Cody win it either at the Rumble or win the Rumble and win at WrestleMania? How would you book Cody's return? It all depends on when he gets back. I mean, if he's going to be back for a Royal Rumble, I feel like he'd be on, be an easy favorite. I mean, if he's not, then I don't know how you really go from there. So it really all depends on how fast he gets back. They say like, I saw a line. It's like usually it can be like six months. I mean, it's June now, July, August, September, October, November. December would be six months. So, I mean, theoretically he should be back for the Rumble, but we'll see. Well, let's say he is back for the Rumble. He wins the whole thing. Do we get Cody and Roman at WrestleMania? And at that point, is all talk and any hope of, Rock and Roman probably dead. I mean, at this point, we've heard nothing, but it's still only June, so we don't know. Yeah, I mean, if we, if you can't get Rock and Roman, I, I would do Cody. Cody would have, I would have Cody win the the Rumble and beat beat Roman. But I mean, if Rock and Roman's on the table, you take that all day. And then, yeah. like I said, then if you have him lose one of the belts, maybe have Rollins win the other belt, and you do Cody and Rollins at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, it could work. I mean, yeah, I if, mean, if Roman and Rock's in play, you do that. If it's not, you just do Roman and, and, and Cody. Yeah, that would work. As we speak right now, what is your gut telling you? Rock will wrestle or will he not wrestle? Because I'm thinking at this point he's not, but I, I want him to. I'm just thinking at this point he's not going to. I mean... Putting you on the spot. The gut says no, but I want him to, so... I mean, I just feel like no, the way it is now, it's like now or never, I feel like. It, it, not that's now or never, like, they can easily do it, but like... Right now is the perfect time to do it, so like I just don't know why they wouldn't at this point. Well, I mean, it's a matter of whether Rock's going to be available is the thing. It's not a matter of whether <laughs> WWE wants him. You make availability. You, make, you sketch out one fucking day. I mean, come on. I, I understand he's a busy man, but come on. Uh, yes, I agree that... Listen, I, I, I agree and I disagree. I agree in that 
if it means that much to Rock to do this match, and they've been wanting this match for a very long time, dude. I'm talking years. I'm not even talking last year. I'm not talking 37. I'm talking like 2015, 2016, 2017. Like, they've been teasing this, and they've talked about it for fucking years now. I mean, I was talking... There's there's excerpts of this show from 2014 where I wanted this match. It's been almost 10 years. Rock's not getting any younger. I agree. If he wanted to do the match, he would carve out time to do it. But I do disagree in the sense that I think it's more than like, a, oh, a free up the weekend type thing. What did he, wouldn't he not have to be free for that whole stretch of the road to WrestleMania to ensure the build is as good as it possibly can be? Uh, I mean, he shouldn't show up. He doesn't have to show up every yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like... He's got to be around at least half of the Raws leading up to WrestleMania or SmackDown or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't I want the like, satellite shit I feel like you get away with it, but, I mean, I definitely understand where you're coming from, too. I feel like they get away with them not being, like, in the picture, but, I mean, obviously it would help, but I definitely get that, too. Has he not made enough movies to where he could say, listen, can I take three months off from acting just to go wrestle for a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, but have you ever seen, do you like money? I mean, you probably could pay more money doing movies, so. Yeah. We'll see, like I said, maybe he maybe doesn't want it that bad. I, I really don't know. That's the thing, like, he makes it sound like he does, but actions speak louder than words. I'm not in Rock's head, so I don't know, but it's interesting, because I feel like if he really, really, really wanted the match, then he would make it happen. I mean, he would work something out. I mean, he's accepting these roles. He's not being forced to be in Jumanji 6 with a gun to his head, so, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see come early uh, <laughs> 2023. Have you seen the Black head for Jumanji 6. That was unreal. But it was a great movie, though. I'm not even shitting on it. I like a majority of The Rock's movies. Have you seen, on that related note, have you seen the trailer for Black Adam yet? Isn't that like a superhero movie? It's a superhero movie, but I think it's one that you would probably like. It's not like, oh, the MCU, you gotta watch 20,000 movies first. No, like, this is a standalone DC movie, which, in the same vein as The Batman, uh, not in that same universe. It's a little confusing, but it's a DC movie. Rock is the main star. I feel like you would like it. The, the trailer's two minutes if you watch it on YouTube when we're done here. Yeah, I'll have to watch it. Comes out in October, I think. So it doesn't require a lot of backstory. I don't think it requires any backstory, actually. So it's been in the works for a long time. I remember when they cast him as Black Adam in fucking 2014 when we were still at Endicott. So it's been a very long time. Uh, talking about Raw real quick, before we get to the AEW stuff, I mentioned earlier how they kind of set the stage going forward with what we saw in Raw. We already talked about Cody Rhodes and... Seth Rollins and all that other stuff. No money to make qualifiers on Monday. I know the pay-per-view's not until July 2nd or whatever it was, but you know, still a solid four weeks away. We only have, what, three Raws until then? I feel like it was a little surprising that there were no talk. I mean, we saw the briefcase hanging from the ceiling, or both briefcases hanging from the ceiling on Monday's Raw, but a little weird we had no talk of what the qualifiers would consist of for either the men's or women's money to make ladder matches this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, usually, like you said, I think you put in your raw review that, like, usually at this point we do get money in the bank qualifiers at this point, but we do have time. I mean, they also might not know what the hell they're doing. So <laughs> that's why. maybe uh, maybe Cody was scheduled to win and now he's out. I, I really don't know. So maybe they're re uh, reorganizing the deck. Like I said, I think they have a month left. I feel like maybe they start if they start on tomorrow night. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't hate it. Start on SmackDown and then roll over to Raw, or they start on Raw, but, I mean, anything later than next week would seem a little bit rushed, but I, I think they have a little bit less than a month now, so 
a couple weeks. I feel like when they do it so early, it's all like they do the segments, everyone's in the ring, and they all try to climb the ladder, and it's just tiresome. So maybe the longer they wait to actually do it, the less we get of that like foolishness. Yeah, no, I agree, and I still feel like you're, you're right. They, they probably did throw their plans into a state of disarray with Cody Rhodes getting hurt. I wholeheartedly believe he was going to win. He obviously will not be in the match. They didn't outright say he wouldn't be in it, but... It was weird. He's like, "Oh yeah, I might win the briefcase." It's like, dude, have you looked at your fucking shoulder? Like, what are you? What are you, you talking still win. about? What'd you say? You can still win. You can what? Patch it up and and, and climb the ladder. When's it be? Deci- I mean, if they really wanted to, you could fucking win it somehow. I mean, it, anything's <laughs> possible. I mean, they could have like a surprise entrance. Everyone's down. He just runs out there, <laughs> one arm, fucking wins it, and he's out for the next five months. Is the, I don't know. Like, I mean, that is the <laughs> dumbest thing. Not that they listen. I'm not calling you dumb. I'm just saying if they did it, that would be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Yeah, but then the, the, the thing is, like, he teased it, so it's like I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't tease if you're. I don't know. I just felt like the tease was there for like. I agree, but then they had Rollins attack him, so was it the idea that, okay, he may have been in it otherwise, which is still ridiculous to think? They even said, the funny thing is, before Rollins even attacked him, Corey on commentary was like, oh, he's getting surgery on Wednesday. Alright, if he's getting surgery on Wednesday, in what fucking universe would he he be ready to go in four weeks? Like, I guess, is it, is it the idea that Rollins attacked him? Oh, he dashed his hopes, and it's all Rollins' fault. I I don't know, they didn't make that clear. I mean... (sighs) Even if Rollins beat his ass, the surgery's still on Thursday, so what's the difference? Exactly. So that's the thing. It's like, all right, he's still not going to be in it regardless. They made it. They didn't say that he was. It's not like they didn't say he was getting surgery. They said as Rhodes walked away before he got attacked, oh, he's getting surgery. So then why the fuck would they tease it if they knew for a fact that he wouldn't be in it? I just thought that was silly. Maybe they don't really know and they didn't want to confirm anything. It's probably going back to what you said earlier, you know? Yeah, like I said, they're going to just pat, hey, put a little, put a little sling on him, let him run out there and win the briefcase. <laughs> so fucking dumb. The they men- got the MGM, you got to get Cody out there. What'd you say? They have the MGM, Cody's got to be there. Hey, they got the MGM, he's got to be there, he's Dusty's kid. Um, Dusty's son's got to be there. Exactly. I mean, they probably don't know what they're doing yet with the men because of that, but the women you would think they would have a better idea with, but they change their minds on a daily basis, on a on an hourly basis, so who knows. But any early candidates for who you think could win the women's Money the Bank ladder match based on the current landscapes of Raw and SmackDown? I mean, at this point, it's a live or die at this point. I mean, she should win hand over fist. I really don't even know who else you'd even have win it. Raquel? Like, I'm not saying. I, I, listen, I'm not. I prefer a live, but I'm just saying Raquel seems like a a, a possibility. Uh, so I was trying to go through like the five women they had. I kind of forgot. I mean, honestly, it's either liberally <laughs> at this point. I'm just kidding. Do you want me to hang up the phone? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but like, I mean, Raquel would be cool, but I, I think it has to be live. I mean, I, I I just I don't know. Like Raquel's like she's a giant. She don't need a briefcase. No, like, she's It's like the underdog. I mean. Like, Dewdrop would feel like Otis, so no. Uh, Nikki Ash, no thanks. Becky, no. Oscar, no. Where the I mean, fuck no. is Bailey? Bailey, maybe, maybe not. Alexa Bliss, nah. Mm. There, like, eh, I'd rather live win at this point. I like Alexa Bliss, but eh, I'd rather live win at this point. So I think, if anything, it's live or die at this point. You can't have anyone else win. Maybe Raquel, but I still would rather live one. I agree. Did you know of the five women's Money to Bank ladder matches they've done in the last five years that every winner, except for the first being Carmella, has cashed in that briefcase within 24 hours, either that same night or the next night on Raw? I mean, that's just ridiculous. 
Well, yeah, I was with you. Remember, I was with you at uh, 2018 when Alexa Bliss won. Yeah, and then I was there the following when Bailey won. Matches later. What'd you say? She cashed it in like three matches later against fucking Ronda and Nia Jax. Yeah, and I was there for Money in the Bank the following year. They did the exact same thing with Bailey, which was great, but it's like, how lazy can you get? When they did it with Nikki Ash last year, I'm like, all right, they couldn't wait a fucking month. Like, come on. God, love it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely lazy booking, but we'll see. I mean... I'm trying to think, well, who's SmackDown? SmackDown's Ronda. Eh, I don't know. I don't think they'd ever get to cash in twice. So we'll see. But I, I think there's more, like, running it out is definitely, like, as far as someone like Liv, I feel like her as the briefcase holder, like, the briefcase also helps, like, keep them busy for a little bit. So once they have them win and then they have the champion, like, especially Nikki Ash, like, she won the belt and then everyone's like, I just don't care. Like, she didn't have that much fanfare behind her anyway. Yeah, so, that was the problem. It, it could have worked. Me, Four marks that like her, so mm. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Liv's a different case. Even if Liv won, I feel like I'd be a little bit more. If she cashed in immediately, I wouldn't be as mad because I feel like she's ready at this point. But uh, I mean, I think it would be pretty cool if she held the, the briefcase for a little bit as well and just like do other shit. The only other option I think that would have made sense was Rhea Ripley, and she became the number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship on the show this week by beating Alexa Bliss, Dewdrop, and Liv Morgan in a fatal four way in the main event. Good match. Uh, so we're getting Bianca Belair and, and Rhea Ripley finally one-on-one at Money in the Bank. I thought they would save it for SummerSlam, but I'm not complaining. They could always do a rematch on that show if they want to. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Rhea and Bianca, we just got done praising them earlier before we went live here. They're both the future of this women's division on all the brands or whatever. Both are great. I'm digging Rhea's heel turn. I like the new look. Bianca's a star. We know they have great chemistry. They had good matches in NXT. And anytime they've interacted in the main roster, whether it be the Rumble or in that gauntlet match earlier this year, they've always fucking killed it. So I am very excited for this match. Money in the Bank, they tend to kind of put their big matches um, like on a show on a show like this with the women, the men, the ladder matches. And this kind of feels like a really big marquee deal for this show. So uh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know who wins. You could put the belt on Rhea, but you could also keep the belt on Bianca a little longer, and I wouldn't complain. So uh, I like the fact it could go either way, and I think it should be a killer match. Yeah, I mean, they've had great chemistry since they were NFC together. I think, like you said, this will be a great match. I mean, if I'm betting, I would say keep the belt on Bianca. I mean, I love Rhea, but like I said, I feel like all roads lead back to Bianca and, and Becky. Just, I don't know, I just, just them. The way that they're telling the story right now, I just feel like the way that happened on Sunday, they're still, like, leaving the door open because Becky still is a bitch because she should have, theoretically would have beat Asuka if she didn't get thrown out by Rhea. And like I said, started last year at SummerSlam. Yada, yada, yada. So I feel like that's where we're getting at SummerSlam this year. But, I mean, anything can change. I just, I don't know. When you're in a group, it's tough to, like, I don't know. I just don't see, like, them putting the ball down in the group. Maybe, but, I don't know. I feel like the leader has the belt. But, obviously, we've never really seen a woman, like, featured in the group as well. So, I, if I was betting, I would say Bianca retains. But I think, regardless, it will be a great match. Speaking of the group, Mr. Marceau, we got to address the 1,000-pound elephant in the room here. Edge, betrayed by Finn Balor, we'll just get right to it, no dancing around it, betraying Edge, turning on him, did Rhea, Damian, Balor. Balor joining the group, exiling Edge from Judgment Day. We got a shakeup in the group, Edge reportedly, per PW Insider, backed him being a babyface listed internally on the Raw roster. You know, I feel like I'm in the minority on this, I was not a fan of this at all. I know you were confused, I was very confused when it happened. Um, Other people, listen... Everyone has their own preference. I'm not even saying those people that disagree with me or in the majority of the opinion on this are wrong. I'm just saying for my preference, 
not only did it not make sense, which I think we can all agree on, whether you like this or not, it, it just didn't make sense. But for me, personally speaking, Edge's heel run lasted all of three fucking months. And I liked what I was getting. I liked the promos. I liked the matches. He's been winning. They've been booked well. It was something different. He's been a babyface for the most part since he came back two years ago. And now he's going back to doing that. He cut his hair. Is it going to grow it back out? Does it go back to the old music after three months? It feels like it's way too fucking soon. This really bothered me because I feel like they took something that made sense, was cool, was one of the best parts of Raw. And it still will be with Balor and... Not to completely shit on it, because I'm looking forward to heel Balor on the main roster, finally, after so much time has passed. Um, I, I don't know if this is, like, it for him. Like, this is the last-ditch effort, because he's really done nothing else lately for years now on the main roster. Since they brought him back, they've completely marginalized the guy. So this might be it for him if this doesn't work out. And I honestly don't anticipate it working out if the rumors are true. And the reason why they booted Edge was because they wanted to do more supernatural bullshit. Edge wasn't on board, so they replaced him with Balor, which, <laughs> per Fife, I mean, they're a pretty credible source. If that's true, that is completely ridiculous. So I want to get your two cents on this because I feel like I'm yelling at the clouds here because I was not a fan of this at all. Yeah, I mean, this made absolutely no sense. I just, so I, wa- I was in watch, I actually watch Raw Live, so I'm watching this happen. They bring Balor out, and I immediately think, Oh, like he talked to Rhea and Damian. He's just gonna like he's just gonna beat the shit out of them. And then we'll have AJ and Liv come out and yada yada yada. So then he comes out, and then it's like he seems like he's on their side. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird, whatever. But then Damian goes, yeah, you know, like we realize that someone's just like not holding up their end of the bargain. And then he goes, it's you. And then they just turn on Edge. I'm like, <laughs> that makes no fucking sense. Like they've literally won every match that they've had since Edge joins. So like. Their reasoning made no sense. Like, you're the weak link. Like, how? How is he the weak link? Makes no fucking sense. And like you said, Edge was doing pretty good. I'm not a huge Edge guy, but, like, he was doing pretty, like, good work with the heel stuff. This is his group. He just booed him out after two months just that Balor join. If they're going to do the supernatural stuff, it's going to be fucking terrible. Like, that's what people shit on when they did with Damien. It was so dumb. Like... Not everyone has to be like supernatural, like the Undertaker. Like it just like it was a spooky, dark group that was fine the way it was. I, I don't know. I feel like Balor, like you said, maybe he'll be get it to work. But if we're getting supernatural, goofy shit, then I I, I don't think it's going to go too far. So it made no sense. It, it was a swerve, the sake of a swerve. I thought Vince Russo was back for a minute. I just <laughs> I really just didn't understand it. I I mean. I, the only positive is, like, Balor's finally getting, I guess, somewhat of a push, but if it's going to be, like, the supernatural stuff, you might as well just just hang him up because it just, it's, just, it's just so hokey and bad at this point that I just don't care. I'll give it a week, but if we get the demon back next week and they're having him disappear and all this other shit, I'll, I'll be like, all right, I gave it a week. This is fucking dumb. But the other thing I mentioned, too, on Twitter that other people were speculating as well, not that this I don't think was, was reported, but... You know, people were saying, oh, they had to do this. Cody Rhodes is out. They needed a new top babyface. Edge makes sense, right? Listen, if you liked what we got on Monday, that's fine. If you didn't like Edge as the heel leader of the group, you think Balor will do a better job, which I don't think he will, but I like Balor and I'll give it a chance. And I wanted Balor to join the group. I just didn't want him in place, you know, in the group in place of Edge. If you like this stuff, that's fine. Here's my thing, though. Do not try to fucking tell me that Edge is going back babyface to replace Cody Rhodes. As soon as I saw people say that, I'm thinking that is one of the dumbest things I have ever fucking heard. 
the fact that they took Edge's group away from him and whatever, I mean, WWE can be petty. That that I could believe. The idea that they took Edge out of the heel role to make him a babyface to replace Cody Rhodes, and people are justifying the decision with that logic. I mean, how long have you watched the fucking product? And how could you possibly sit there and tell me that was a good idea? That that first of all, that's not true. But you can't tell me that was the reason as to why they did this. When you just turned Finn Balor heel, you had Finn Balor as a babyface. So it's not even like they took a heel. Oh, we have too many heels now. Cody Rhodes is gone. Let's make a top heel a face and go in that direction. They turned Finn Balor. You could have pushed Finn Balor in that spot. We just talked about Bobby Lashley. He's over. You could have put him in that spot. You have AJ fucking Styles, who hasn't been positioned as anyone important in years. Why wouldn't you put him in that spot? All these people are over 40, which is sad. But, I mean, listen, anyone would have been better than Edge in that spot again. Edge is 50. Edge is... If he's not 50 now, he's going to be 50. Edge in the role that he was doing was perfect. Because he wasn't in the title picture. He wasn't the top heel. He was helping elevate other people, I would say. It made sense. To put him back in the babyface role, when we need less 40, 50-year-old babyfaces on this show, and he's already faced Roman twice and lost, so it's not like we're going in that direction. And you also had Rollins right fucking there to turn... I mean, dude, you could have very easily had Rollins turn coming off the roads thing. He had respect for him. People are embracing Seth anyway. The Seth thing is as dumb as the Becky thing. Oh, people hate me. They fucking cheer him every week. Like, I know you don't like the Seth stuff currently that we're seeing. I don't mind it personally, but I think we can agree. Like, if now's the time to turn him face, th- this would have been it. And that would have made sense. But I don't know. That, that whole fucking shit annoyed me. That didn't make any sense either. Jesus. MJF has competition on a pipe bomb. Holy <laughs> I mean, I completely agree. I, the only thing that I'll, I mean, I don't agree, but the only th- way that I would say, like, they turned Edge because they need a baby face with Cody, and you're saying that they turned Finn, is so I think they see Edge at a higher level than, than, than Finn. They would never push Finn at this point as a top baby face. So that's the only reason I would say they turned Edge, but then, you like, like you said, your counterpoints of Bobby and, and AJ as well as a top baby face, anyways, like, I, I mean, I don't think they turn him specifically for that reason, but I think they also do see Edge as a bigger threat. So if they're going to lose a huge baby face, yeah, they could push Finn, but I just don't think they see him like that. So if, if that was their reasoning, that's why they, they turn Edge. Because, yeah, they're turning another guy heel, but they don't see him at that same level as they do with Edge, obviously, because it's like a Hall of Famer. They, mm-hmm. he's just, I just feel like they treat them differently, but I also don't think that was the, the, the exact reason. I think it was more of the the creative differences why they turned him just because he didn't want to be in that supernatural bullshit. But I mean, Rollins, like you said, they, they don't hate him. I mean, I think the characters just, I can't stand the fucking laugh. Maybe it's just a laugh, but I can't, <laughs> I don't know. Like he does get cheers though. So it's like, it's not like they hate him. Like they do the whole whoa, whoa thing. And he does the fucking, the fucking orchestra thing. It's like a, he like plays into it. So I don't know. It's like the Adam Cole, like I'm a yeah. huge me. I don't know. So, I think, if anything, they probably should just turn Seth at that point, but then they'd have him beat the shit out of Cody, so I guess we're not getting that right now. <laughs> Listen, I completely agree. I could totally see that they definitely did it for the creative differences, I would assume. And the second reason being that, you're right, they definitely do see Edge as a bigger priority, a bigger star than Balor. Therein lies the issue as well. If that was true, which, again, I don't think it is as far as that's why they turned him, like you said, it could have been a factor. I agree with that. Therein lies the issue with this company, to where they think that they need to hit the emergency button, get Edge in that role, because Ballard doesn't mean anything. Who's 
fucking fault is that? Balor came back and had this great reaction almost a year ago, feels like a decade ago, on that first SmackDown back with fans. He felt like a big deal. He felt like a main eventer. The guy had an awesome run in NXT both times, but specifically this most recent time. You could have brought Balor back as an important guy from the get-go. He went for the title immediately, and he had his SummerSlam match taken away because Cena signed the contract first. I still can't get over how fucking dumb that was. And if that wasn't stupid enough, they had him get beat as the demon in the most dumbest way possible at that Extreme Rules pay-per-view last year. The man never recovered. And then he lost the King of the Ring to Xavier Woods, which was fine. I was happy for Woods. They ended up doing nothing with that, so what was the fucking point of that? Balor is one... I mean, I guess he was the United States champion for a cup of coffee. Like, that even matters, but... I just don't get it. Like, if they're like, oh, it's, you know, Balor can't be a top baby face. He's just, no one cares about him. That's your own fucking fault for booking him to look like a fucking loser on your own fucking show. I'm sorry. This shit is just so annoying. Like, it, just do, how long does AJ have left? I mean, how long does Bobby have left? Do something with these people. I just don't fucking get it, dude. Like, that really yeah, bothered I, me. I think they're going to, I think they're going to, I mean, seemingly Bobby's being pushed. I mean. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, if they don't push him, then I'm, like, blind because they've, they're putting on all the signs that he's getting pushed. I mean, doing the belt thing, he's winning. He's clearly the top babyface on Raw, I feel like, at this point. I mean, I don't know. I And now that Cody's out, he's definitely so. I mean, AJ, they've always just kind of – him and – like, I mean, he's definitely been to like, a high level. But I don't know, like, he's – maybe it's just, like, the TNA stench on him that they just don't want to keep pushing him. Like, he feels like Owens, like, kind of. Like, they push him a little bit. Then he's kind of just, like, teeter in the mid-car, and, like, they kind of push him a little bit, and then he just never wins. So I, I really don't understand what they do with AJ and those guys. But I, I think I can safe to say, unless I'm blind as a bat, which without my glasses, I'm not the, I don't have the best sight. <laughs> but I, I think Bobby, we can say with a certainty, Bobby's definitely going to get the push on Raw. He should. I don't know, man. I, I hope he should. I'm, I'm glad he beat Omas, and uh, they're doing the theory thing right now. I think he's above the United States Championship, but we'll see where they go with that. That could just be a red herring, and it doesn't go anywhere, and maybe they're both in the ladder match. I, I don't know, but we'll see. I guess Bobby could win the briefcase, too. I don't think he needs it at all, but I guess that's another option. Uh, we'll mention this quickly, too, kind of on the subject of top baby faces and heels. Break glass in case of emergency. They're bringing back John Cena on the 20-year anniversary of his debut. So it's not random. It's not like, oh, Cena's coming back. This probably was already the plan even before Cody got hurt. Like, there's no way that Cody got hurt. They found out Cody got hurt on Sunday, and then they're like, all right, Sunday night, hey, Cena, can we can we bring him back in a couple weeks? And they announced it the next night. That's not how those things work. Cena's a very busy guy at this point. This was clearly in the works for a while. They knew they were celebrating 20 years of Cena this month. I'm, clear, I'm sure this has been planned the whole time. It helps. So I'll ask you this. Is it a one-off, or does it kick off a SummerSlam program? And if it does, who is it with? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Cena coming back. I saw a thing, like, he did an interview. He was, like, putting theory over. Yep. I mean, we talked to via text. I mean, I, I think, I mean, if you SummerSlam, you're trying to get people there. I mean, Cena's going to sell. I mean, he came back last year, put over Roman. I mean, I, I would like a little Cena return. I mean... I think him winning the belt would be nice if he's going to be on TV, but if, if not, if it's just kind of be a one-off, and then, I mean, I'd have Theory just beat him. I mean, I saw people saying, like, if he came back and lost to Theory, like, it would have no credibility. I'm like, dude, it's fucking John Cena. Like, oh, he hasn't won a match in two years. It's still John Cena at the end of the day, I mean. No, he and hasn't won in so, years, but, I mean, you're right. It is John Cena, yeah. Like, even if even if you're paying attention, like, most people that are watching are, like, a mixture of, like, casuals and diehards. 
regardless, if you're a casual person, they pump up John Cena, he comes back and loses a theory, it means it makes it seem like it's a big deal. So, regardless, I mean, if he's going to come back for a one-off, or I, I would have Theory beat him. If he's going to come back and stay for a little bit, I mean, I would have Cena probably hold the belt if if that if that's the case. So we'll see. But I mean, I don't think it's just going to be him showing up and Raw, and that's it. So I, I think we're going to get Theory and uh, and, and John at uh, SummerSlam. I mean, the timing works out too because when he comes back on the twenty seventh, that's the go home show for Money in the Bank. I don't think he would be at Money in the Bank, but. I think then from that point forward, you can kick off the bill to him doing something at SummerSlam. Him in theory would make sense, especially given the history he has with a United States championship. So I told you over text, I wouldn't be mad if Cena won. I probably would have been five, ten years ago, but it's like, you know, he hasn't won in a while. Theory isn't the guy. He could, he will be the guy at some point. He's not there now. And it's not like he's undefeated. It's not like he's been champion for, you know, a year. I would be fine if Theory lost. As long as he's made to look credible in the feet. Like, when, when Cena beat Corbin at SummerSlam about five years ago, it was like a literal, like, a five-minute squash. Like, no one gave a shit. Corbin gained nothing from it. As long as it's not that and Theory gets some offense before losing, I'm okay with it. So, yeah, well, we'll see what they got in store, and I'm fine with Cena coming back for another summer of Cena because last year was fun with the whole Roman Reigns thing. So, if it's short-lived and he's back for a month, I'm totally down for that, regardless of whether he wins or loses. So... Uh, on the subject of lack of logic from what we were talking about earlier with Judgment Day, uh, well, we'll end with this. Dynamite last night, which I actually th- enjoyed overall. I thought it was a good show. Lack of logic, though, in the AEW World Championship Interim Title Tournament, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Wardlow not in the Battle Royal last night because he says he wants to choose to challenge for the TNT title because he would rather beat Punk and not win an interim title. Whatever. Um, I at least like the fact they tried to explain it, but uh, that was it wasn't it didn't make a lot of sense at all. Um, that didn't really bother me as much as the fact that like Jericho wasn't in the Battle Royal, and you know Malachi Black and Miro weren't in it because they're in a tournament for another new fucking title. Like I don't know. We'll we'll get into it now. We'll kind of mesh all of our thoughts in one here. But you know we got an interim champion. This this news broke the day after we spoke last week or on Friday of last week rather. In that uh, Punk has to not relinquish the championship, but go on standby for now with an injured foot, I believe, or an injured leg or whatever. So he'll be gone for a few months at least. Um, An interim championship makes sense. It looks like it's going to be Moxley. He beat Kyle O'Reilly in an awesome match last night to advance to Forbidden Door. It's either uh, Hiroki Goto or Tanahashi. Clearly, it's Tanahashi advancing to Forbidden Door, and Moxley's probably beating him there. Tanahashi would be cool if he was going to be around. I don't think he will be is the problem. So if he's not going to be around, then what the... If Tanahashi wins and he won't be around, again, what the fuck is the point? He's pulling a Roman Reigns at that point. It probably should be Moxley. But, uh, yeah, very interesting situation right now in Dynamite with everything kind of revolving around the interim title. Yeah, I mean, first thing first, I mean... I was more disappointed that the Battle Royal had, like, I mean, when it started, I, I really, once it got down to the end, I it, it was kind of obvious who was going to win the Battle Royal. I mean, the fir- last four people, I'm pretty sure it was Kyle, Andrade. Um, Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta, who's like and, the and Ring of Honor pure champion, so he was definitely, and he's not going to face Moxley. So. I, th- I th- honestly but, thought he was, though, because him and Moxley have history. And then Phoenix, I mean, I, I just don't see him there. So, no. I mean, Kyle winning was whatever, him facing Moxley, I guess. I don't know. I just, like, maybe, I mean, realistically, if I was booking this, instead of Moxley, I'd probably have Brian win it. I mean. I agree, but I, I think he's hurt right now. But he's hurt. He's hurt, yeah. which I, I understand. But, I mean, I think at this point, like, Moxley, or 
like Moxley's champion again. I don't know. I'm not kind of. I'm not feeling it right now. Um, I mean, Brian and Punk right now is probably the biggest match AEW could do. So like Brian winning the interim belt and then Punk comes back and you have them unify. I mean, it's the biggest match they can do as of now. So. I guess. I mean, I, honestly, I would have probably just had Wardlow in and win the whole thing. I mean, he's the top guy. I know they switched the rankings last week. They make sure it's Moxley, which Tony Khan tried to make make sense. He just didn't. Sorry, Tony. I mean, <laughs> you can't make it on Monday, him being number one. They both wrestle on Wednesday and win, and then you just have Moxley jump him. It just made no sense. And you're explaining made no sense either. But regardless, I would have had, I would have, like you said, even if, you should have had more good people in it. Like, me, I understand they have this new belt. Like, why the fuck do they need a new belt anyways? But, like, Malachi should have been in it. Pack. Like, all those guys in that other tournament should have been in this instead of, like, the Guns and Tony Nese and other people that shouldn't have been in this match. So, I mean, I would have Wardlow win it. I mean, he's gonna. I guess he's going to go after the TNT belt. Fine. I, I, I mean... If it's going to keep him busy, because it seems like they don't really know what they're going to do with him. He's still doing, like, the Mark Sterling-like feud, which is just awful. Like, oh, you beat up a security guard, I'm going to sue you. And the next next week, we're going to him versus 20 security guards, because why not? It's fucking so dumb. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like, stupid shit like that that just, like, gets me so annoyed. Like, Wardlow comes off this big win, and what do you do? We have him feud with Mark Sterling, and then say he's going to face Scorpio Scott. He was hurt, they said. He said he's a hurt leg, which... I, I don't know. And then now he's facing Mark Sterling's 20 security guards. So I guess that's where we're going in that direction. But I don't know. I feel like he should have just won the whole thing. I mean, Moxley, whatever, I guess. But I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not feeling it with Moxley being the champion until Punk gets back. You know, I'm not, it's not my first choice. I was thinking about this last night. Do you think maybe it's their way of kind of like rewarding him for being champion through the pandemic with no fans. So this is kind of like making up for that. He won the championship in front of fans, but it was like two weeks later we had COVID and, and they, there were no fans after that. Do you think that might be part of the reason why they're doing this? I don't know. I mean, they could go with worse choices, but they could also go with better choices. And honestly, I said this to Alexa said this too last night. What about hangman? Why wasn't hangman involved in any of this? Mm, I don't know. Maybe it's just too soon. I don't know. I think you should have been at least somewhat involved. I don't know. I just listen. Because like, you know what it is. Because it seems like he's like they're like feuding. Like he like called out what's his face Okada. So it's like maybe they already had that in the loop. And then maybe yeah. But still, I don't know. I feel like like you said that's part of another perfect example. Of something that should have been involved. He wasn't even in it. I don't know. But hey, you got to make a spot for the Gun Club. You know. I don't know. I just. With Paige, I think it would have been cool if he won it back, and people are not going to like that idea, but I would have done it with him as a heel. Like, you do Paige and Moxley, and Paige goes heel. Like, he turns heel when he wins the championship officially, and I didn't like that idea a month ago, but just what they did at Double or Nothing, and, you know, he's still over, but I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with MJF as far as, like, when he's coming back. There was no mention of him last night. They took him off the roster page. Um, you know, we didn't talk about that actually. We didn't talk about Dynamite last week because we recorded beforehand. So let's talk about that quickly too with MJF as far as the promo itself was. I feel like we talked about it a lot, but we actually didn't. We just talked about it over text. Um, it was amazing and I loved it and, and it was a great chew promo. I know you were a big fan of it. I know you would as soon as you saw it. And I'm very curious. I mean, one of the biggest things with the show was like, oh, I can't wait to see what they do next. They did nothing. Like, he wasn't on the show. They didn't mention him. Whatever. You know, they didn't do shit. So, is it going to be like that for a couple months and they'll bring him back in September? Is he going to be back in July? Like, I, I want to get your thoughts on the promo and where we go with that from here. And how this doesn't really factor into any of the title stuff either. 
Yeah, I mean, the promo is amazing. I mean, it's a good, perfect shoot promo. I mean, you don't know what's a work, what was a shoot. I mean, it's it's one of those things, and you want to see more. I mean, the way it ended, I mean, I, I, like you said, I thought, like, maybe we'd get some mention of it, nothing. So, I mean, I think that's what most people coming into the show are hoping for, and we got nothing there. And said not about a belt, but, like, when, do we, when does he come back? Is he done? Like, there's so many unanswered questions that, it was interesting coming this week, but, like, is he just going to show up randomly? Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird that, like, it was the hottest thing going, obviously, last week with the talk of the town, and then nowhere to be seen on Mon- on, on Wednesday night, no mention of him. I-, I feel like if he's off the roster and stuff, they wouldn't make any mention to it, but, I mean, when are we going to get the payoff? Is there going to be a payoff? I-, I mean, like I said, we don't know. Like, maybe him and Tony Khan did have a talk, and maybe he slipped in the fucking fuck you, you Mark, and maybe he slipped that in, or... We don't know. Like it's it's one of those things with a with a work shoot promo. Like you don't know how much was actually discussed and how much was off the cuff. Like you really mm-hmm. don't know. Because um, I mean, if all the things he said, like yeah, they were mean and it is it just it was real because it just felt so true in the way that he actually felt and how a lot of fans feel as well. So I I, I really don't know. It's just, it's an interesting promo. I think just like punks, there's just, there's so much truth to it that. You want to see more, obviously, with Punk, like, he was still on Raw and shit, so, like, it was still, we got, led that right into the summer of Punk, but with MJF, I mean, wasn't on the show last night, I, I, we don't know what's going on next. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I think there were a couple people disappointed that he wasn't involved in the Battle Royal and he didn't win the interim title. I'm okay with that. I feel like that'd be a little soon if they did that, so I'm okay with that personally. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was going to be in it. I didn't think he was going to win either. So I had no problems with him not being in it. Yeah, I was totally fond of that. So we'll see where they go from there. Uh, that new championship is pointless. You mentioned that, but how fucking pointless is that? I, I, I sent Tony Khan my size. I'm, I'm a size 38, Tony. Um, <laughs> I need a new belt, too. I mean, the belt's cool looking. I'm it, not is, it is, it is, it is. So, I mean, but then, like, we have Adam, like, so it's like Adam Cole and Brick going to walk around with the Owen Hart belt now, like, there's just so many belts. Everyone's got a belt. It's like Oprah Winfrey. You get a belt and you get a belt. Yeah. All the people with the Ring of Honor belts walk around with them. They already have like seven champions as it is. Now we got this one. I, I just feel like the problem I have with this belt is like they have the Ring of Honor stuff. Are they actually going to do anything with Ring of Honor or are they just going to put belts on people to like make it seem like it's important? And I, I just don't really know. Like, I think the belt itself is a cool belt, but it just screams like, hey, we have a bloated roster. We don't know how to book them, so we're just going to pull out another belt and put it on someone. I mean, there's no program, so we're just going to put a belt on these people because we have no idea what to do with them. Yeah, exactly. That's the weird thing. So, uh, I mean, it should be. I, I really enjoyed Pack and Buddy Matthews, and uh, we'll see how it's utilized going forward. I saw. I think it was Solomonster said he, he, he called it kind of called it a European Championship for AEW, which. I mean, that championship was pointless 20 years ago, so... I mean, I guess it is, and I'm not saying he was justifying it, but, you know, that is what it is, I guess. Um, So we'll see where that goes, and, uh, yeah, it was an interesting show. We'll see where they go with several things going forward. Thunder Rose and Marina Shafir, who gives a fuck. Um, I'm looking forward to Paige and Okada, though. I think that should be a great match, if that's where they're going with this. I mean, I haven't seen... I don't think I've even seen any Okada, so, I mean, I can't really give a can't really give an expert i mean i've heard about him never actually seen them wrestle honestly so um i mean if you say it's gonna be great i'll, I'll be there right with you but uh <laughs> i don't know too much like i don't know a lot i know of the japanese guys i don't i've never seen any of them work 
Well, I mean, this is a good time to uh, start. Will Ospreay was on the show last night. He made his AEW debut. He's a great athlete, so... I'm very curious to see what are what your thoughts are on Forbidden Door as far as who you like, if anyone, from anyone that you haven't seen before. So, I know you've seen enough of Jay White, and you like Jay White to an extent. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about Forbidden Door in a couple weeks. Did I not say last week that Wardlow should win the TNT title to squash Scorpio Sky and get it over with? And it sounds like that's where we're going with this, too. Yeah, I mean, seemingly that's where we're going. I think they should have just done that right off last week, right off the rip. They must have listened to the fans of Cornette because that's immediately what they everyone was saying. is like, you know what you're going to do with him. He's not going for the main belt. He might as well give him the TNT belt. Like I said, I just think, I just think his ex. I understand the what, what he said about the main championship, but it still made no sense because he said he wanted to be Punk, but if he was interim champion and then held the belt, he would then face Punk. I don't know. But regardless, I mean, if he's going to – I'd rather him just win the TNT belt and do something with it then face Mark Sterling and his 30 security guards. I just oh don't care God. at this point. Ridiculous. Let's, so fucking less dumb. Less ha-ha with him. <laughs> yeah, less ha-ha, please. I would definitely agree with that. Well, Mr. Marceau, this was a great time chatting with you. We'll talk all about you know the progression of the AEW World Championship Interim Title Tournament, whatever you want to call it. Uh, next week here on the show, more WWE thoughts as we approach Forbidden Door at the end of the month, which I'm very much looking forward to. You can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Podcast, um, all that other good stuff as well. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. It's Mr. Marceau, brother. Have a great rest of your week, brother. I'll talk to you next week. Later.